0: Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with a good friend of mine and we talk everything hunting. All right, what's up, everybody? Thank you for listening. Again, this is the MI Hunting Podcast. So this episode was a pretty fun one it certainly took a direction that I had not anticipated on you know basically I was sat down with a friend of mine who he had harvested a doe this year uh, one for you know one of his first ones in a while and I just wanted to talk to him about you know his hunting experience his you know background in hunting and kind of what led to you know the season and ultimately you know kind of his mindset of you know harvesting deer and taking care of it and you know getting the meat from it essentially and we ended up going on a whirlwind of tangents i mean we talk everything from the hunting industry to uh, nutrition to veganism to uh even so go so far as to even discuss the ron polo buck uh and you know basically we talk a little bit about everything and just kind of diving into some of the conversations uh that you can simply have about hunting uh, you know yeah, it's not a surface conversations level conversations thing that uh, is that just what it is the there are so and, many levels so many aspects to hunting and the hunting world and you know being so part of the outdoors and it can hunting, loop back into so, world, so many other aspects of your life the outdoors, which we get into world, so so hopefully you're able to keep up with us i mean we we go from one topic to another to another uh, even going through trying to edit this, you know, kind of yeah, break down on segments of the, uh, of the podcast, and you know, there's a laundry list of basic segments or topics that we discuss on, basically jumping from one to the next to the and next to the a next. So, of, uh, so uh, season hopefully, season again, hopefully you're able to keep up with this. And with that, let's get into the episode. Of course, you got all the companies that like. There's one in particular. Hopefully, again, hopefully you're able to keep up with this. Which, unfortunately, they they sell like a whole laundry list of different products. But, like, their claim is like they're and a local, that, like, you know, into... Midwest company. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I looked at it, I'm like, I've never really heard of this company before. I started looking into it. Like, okay, like, where's their headquarters? Beijing. Yeah. Like, where's, where's the shipment come from? Beijing. <laughs> so it's like, and then they have this huge, like, backstory about how, like, you know, how they developed the company, you know. And yeah. It's like, this it, is all a fake.
1: It's such a I I get it. I understand because you were either like, do we uh, produce, source, and manufacture in the U.S. and charge what is going to be a markup where we could survive? Or do we produce an 80% is good quality product for one-tenth the cost yep. and then have to sell a lot less of a markup? Because people are either going to uh, complain about the price or the quality or where it comes from. So I, I think... I don't like the misleading stuff. Just tell the truth. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the idea was founded here, but we have our parts come from this country or it's assembled here. Yeah.
0: yeah, and there's a few companies that are st- are straightforward about it, like, um, especially like like um like game cameras. There's one company in particular, um, Exis Trail Cameras. Like, they're like, yeah, like we get we partnered in China because they can make the parts far more cost effective than what we can and here. And to in the States.
1: be fair for tech, like, who's gonna be really mad about that? Not with bows and guns and stuff. There's a totally different thing. Mm. But, like, for apparel, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, yeah, for tech, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and, like, the other big one is, like, um, tree stands and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of guys that are making stu- their stuff, you know, overseas um, because they can get it cheaper.
1: Yeah, I want some quality on that. I worked uh, in the hospital, and I have uh, been – there for many men who have fell upwards of forty feet, and it's um, I think a few of them were kind of faulty equipment type deals, and no thank you.
0: Yeah, I know uh, Dan Infault, um He he even acknowledged that he was doing some some business out of China. He's like, yeah, we basically gave them the specs. They sent us like you know, like the prototype and whatever. It ma- it made you know match everything we wanted. He's like, and then all of a sudden they started producing with like a different grade aluminum. Yeah, and he's like, and then they send it, and then so we're selling it. And now, like, we're saying it's a certain grade, but yet yeah, truly, and then we go back to them, they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, next time we'll do it right.
1: No. It's like... That's a nightmare, for especially for equipment like that that has uh, safety, such a large involvement of the equipment, it's, yeah, that's not yeah a good way to go.
0: Yeah, so I, I've made a point to try to find as much, of my especially the hunting stuff, because it, I don't know, for me, it's like, if you're going to go with, like, American, like, if you're gonna be hunting in America and whatnot, like you should try to like get most of your hunting stuff. Who's from like the American. premier
1: hunting brand right now?
0: The it kind of depends on what what you're looking at, like clothing wise. Um, Under you know, Armour. Um, not really. No, like I mean, they're they produce a lot of different products, but it's not like the type echelon type stuff. Like a company like um, like uh, first or yeah, First Light. Um, they're a big one. A lot of Out West clothing, Sika. um, You've got Forlow. Uh, Wait. Uh, well, they're
1: they're a boat company. Do they make lo- like apparel too, or
0: they've got like their logo wear and whatnot? Oh, okay. But, okay. Um, you've got Scentlock. Uh, I'm trying to think of some. I'm sure there's other ones, but those are really the only ones I really ever pay attention to. And then uh, I'm actually pretty excited because. Uh, you know jackal willink yeah, yeah, yeah. And his, his company origin yeah they actually created a, a hunting line
1: see a big hunter or i haven't listened to his stuff he, in a long he
0: he got into it i think probably even through like joe rogan or something like that where, oh my god um, <laughs> but yeah he, it's it's kind of weird because that like yeah he's he's done a few hunts and like even to see him like some of the stuff he posts like him in like hunting gear and like holding the bow and whatnot like great he like he's he has that like that same look but now he's like in hunting apparel yeah. so it's like he looks kind of like I, I don't know.
1: No, I I I think it's great and I really enjoy it. people are getting into hunting and things of that nature, but I think people are getting kind of a warped sense of what hunting is from these guys who are multimillionaires who are getting into it. Um it's a lot of uh hurry up and wait and it's a lot of uh disappointing hunts until you actually get good Mm -hmm. when you have unlimited money you can have guides you can have the best materials you can hunt in the best areas
0: yeah yeah i mean there's there's uh you know hunters that you know they'll put out that they've you know worked really hard and when especially if like elk's a big one like some of the other like it's all guides it's guided, or it's like you know, like a twenty thousand dollar tag. Yeah. To hunt in this, you know, a prime area, that's like limited, you know, limited access. Basically, a reserve. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and then it, I did it the hardware, air quotes, like kind of. You didn't yeah. go to the store, I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah, because it's still technically, honey. I mean, even if you're in a prime spot, I mean, it's still, honey. You, you, things can go wrong. You can have 100%. a hundred percent. You can have a tough time, but. Be- if you've got the money and the resources, you can get in the areas that other people can't. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Have much easier time.
1: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I think it's kind of like the you know Instagram models to women, like you know men to like people that are hunting. Like it, it's uh, it's fun. I think part of what I love about it's the tranquility and the patience you have to develop, but it's you only see the highlights from these people. Yeah.
0: Yeah, cause you you can deal with that, especially like especially now with me, you know, being part of the content creator in the hunting space. Like when I'm, you know, trying to talk about like different things and my hunts and whatnot, and I'm, like I'm not killing any deer, and then on social media it's nothing but big bucks being killed. Oh yeah, like, it's very easy to fall in the trap. Like I'm the only one not killing a deer. You know, I'm a terrible hunter. I can't. You know.
1: Yeah, and there's so much uh, one-upperism in the hunting world. That's why I'm I'm just brutally honest about my hunting experience because I don't care. I'm happy with what I did. Cool, you. Shot, it. Everybody's just like you know. You could say I shot an eight point. I shot a nine point. Cool, man. I was just talking about the deer. Like that's yeah. awesome. Good for you. Like yeah,
0: yeah. There's there was a big. I think it's coming around now. But there was a lot of like uh, shame in of people uh, that were shooting like younger deer or smaller deer. Yeah. And even like. It's even you got to change the mindset of the individuals that kill those deer because like, they'll put it into it like, yeah, not the biggest rack, but you can't eat the antlers type deal. <laughs> it's like, you know what? No, you you were happy with shooting that deer.
1: If like, it's legal and go ahead. Uh, also, I, I look at deer completely differently now that I've almost died multiple times from them jumping out in front of my cars. I've had no at-fault accidents in my life. The only like real accidents I've had have been with deer I look at them as uh, like nothing much bigger than sewer rats. Like I'm not gonna mow them down. I'm gonna stay within the the limits. But um, like if I can take one, I feel I still feel bad, which is kind of messed up. But uh, I feel way less bad now because they are somewhat nuisance.
0: Yeah. So like, did you really? Did you really ever hit any deer before you started working for Manistee? Uh Cause I know you had quite a few of them during that stretch.
1: I think it was all of them. I think it was all of them, except for one time I was going to the gym in Misic. Uh, and each one actually turned out like I made the right decision for each one. It was, um, uh, like nine miles in a convertible, like worst case scenario. Uh, there's brush bushes there jumps out last second. And, uh, you know, I didn't try and swerve or anything like that. Then I totaled my car in front of the prison. Um, I may or may not have driven it back to the hospital, which is where the police station's at. The road was clear. They they were fine. Whatever. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, the last one coming back from the gym in my truck and three different vehicles. Yeah. You know, explain that. Uh, driving back from the truck and, like, all of a sudden it was like, boom, it was icy roads, and my truck is very prone to spin. It's rear-wheel drive. Um. There was like six deer in the road. And if I would have swerved, it would have been way worse. That was the only one I got repaired. The other ones were ar- already total. But, yeah, deer, There, I don't get it, man, but I do get it. They've only had, what, about 100 years to try and figure out what roads mean, and they've had thousands of years to figure out what everything else means. So yeah, it makes sense.
0: So what do you think – like, so what is your mindset then? Like, do you think there's just too many deer – around in the area so you're like you're more open to kill one because you know that no i think
1: everywhere. i i think i attract wildlife i mean there was a span of I, like the deer i got this season ty if i wanted to wait till it got from me to you like i've had experiences where deer almost stepped on my feet i don't know if i'm quiet i'm not saying i'm special or anything there's a span of like a hundred car trips in a row i saw a fox and or fox families it was just like they were just running around. It's like maybe my electromagnetic field's a little different or something. Because I don't know some people never see anything. Yeah, right. Um. And yeah, what deer just? Uh, it's like almost like they don't know I'm there or something. But with the <laughs> in the vehicles or the car, I don't know, man. I think they're very confused, and they're like, "Oh, well, I probably should pass now." And then it's like the exact wrong time. They're just. <laughs> I don't understand it, man. They're weird.
0: Yeah. No, you you're 100% right. Like your mindset of that like you said, they've evolved thousands of years and they've only had a short period to get used to traffic. Yeah. Like yeah. Go take them a while to figure it out.
1: It's like it's moving so fast they want to take a look at it, but they don't realize it's going to hit them.
0: Yeah. And again, I'm sure like the headlights and everything like that like throws them off, so it's just like they're yeah, they don't understand the speed or anything.
1: Yeah. No, no, man. Uh, I think the, the funniest one was the last deer I hit, which luckily did like no damage. This was only a few weeks ago. Um,
0: I, wait, you hit another one.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've, I hit a deer on purpose one time. Oh my gosh. I, have I like, so the first deer I hit, I hit on purpose. I was driving down the road it was kind of slick and the deer saw me for like 200 yards and stood in the road and it's like, no, I'm not moving. Like I got to go through. I'm not going to stop. This car will not keep going i'm in the snow so i hit that deer doing about 20. it did like two barrel roll backflips it got up and went and then ran off and i was like eh, i guess that worked out but a couple of weeks ago um i saw like four deer running around in the field i'm like oh okay no problem they're out in the field i see them running around running around doo, 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 doo. i see them i'm looking i'm looking and deer starts running for me while i'm on ice and i'm like eh, whatever And then it turns like it's going to run away. I'm like, okay, cool. And then does like a back jump hopscotch in front of my car. And I'm, it was like, it was tricking me to get hit for some reason. Um, And thank God by that time I had turned, I'd slowed down to about 25, but it was like, oh, you're going to hit me. And I'm like, no, I'm not like, oh, you will. And yeah, it got me it i I would say i didn't hit that deer that deer hit me yeah it ran into me on purpose it saw me and it's like oh i want to be hurt today i that was yeah it was great
0: did i ever tell you about my buddy who had a deer slam into the side of a a company car that he was driving no and he was stopped
1: oh yeah no 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 so he,
0: he was over in wisconsin where he was working a vehicle had stopped in front of him that was waiting for a deer to pass that vehicle started going And he was still stopped. And all of a sudden, the deer slams into the side of the vehicle.
1: Makes sense, dude. They're (laughs) stupid. They're so smart and so stupid at the same time. That's kind of what I feel the same way about myself. Like, there's certain things I'm really smart at and certain things I'm really dumb at. Um, It's like, in the woods, they're so smart. But then for, like, vehicles or anything modern technology-wise, they're just like, ooh, what's that? Yeah.
0: Yup. Yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, like... So yeah, you've had a different mindset change in regards to deer and deer hunting, which I don't know. I mean, do you think that has part of it to do with like some of your mindset, at least in regards to like venison meat and everything like that with uh, know, change of your...
1: It's delicious. I love it. I've always liked it. I've never been real persnickety about what I eat. I eat squirrel or whatever. I think venison is like really clean and normal, but I know there's some people that think it's disgusting. Um which I can kind of understand. It's uh, a lot of people like to be as uninvolved with the process as possible, and to them, it just comes from the store, and that's what they want. Yeah. Not hating, but I just I don't get it because I like knowing I'm one of the only people that touch the food that I'm eating. I mm-hmm. Think that's great. Some people don't want to. You can handle it Walmart. You can handle it buyer. You know, <laughs> like
0: yeah, yeah. There's definitely that disconnect, which. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why you got the big debate between people that, like, are anti-hunting and, I will you, and the people that hunt.
1: never understand. Because I've heard people who are meat eaters, love steak, everything, and, like, genuinely vilify hunting above everything else. Like, oh, you think you're a big, strong man going out there with a gun to kill a helpless deer, dah, dah, dah. It's like, I guess if you're an ethical vegan, I might— listen to you a little more but once again even with the ethical vegan specifically going after hunters is so weird because if we're talking about uh, misery and mistreatment on a grand scale hunters are way down the list man you got factory farmers you got regular farmers you've got uh, the slaughterhouses you've got the chicken coops you've got i mean we can go down the line here like hunters and vegans are a lot closer than anybody ever wants to admit.
0: Yeah. That, and I, I used to listen to a podcast, um, where the host would try to like convey that with like people that were anti hunting or vegan or, uh, you know, environmentalists or animal rights activists. He's like, we actually agree on more things than what we disagree. Like, like we care about these animals just as much as you do. It's just how we handle like the animal numbers is different.
1: I will say some ethical vegans that I know, I genuinely love and enjoy because I love and enjoy principled people. Even if our principles differ, I like people where you know where they stand. They're not just all wishy-washy like, I'm a vegan, but I just – the intellectual inconsistency of specifically hating hunters – shows i don't want to say lack of iq but kind of a lack of understanding i guess
0: yeah and i always i always put a caveat on that too is like they have the principle but then they know why they have that principle yeah the reason behind it it's not because like it's not because they think it's just a moral high ground it's like no this is the reason why like oh okay that makes sense
1: and if i genuinely thought i could get the nutrition i needed um not from animals and I've tried it before. I think I went vegan for 60 days, and I thought I was gonna die. It was awful before really? I learned anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did like a 60-day green juice fast, and it was, um, it was bad. It was a bad time. And then I did some like uh, reintroduction of fruits and vegetables, and uh, my brain just. I think as far as um, the brain goes, for like vitamin D, omega threes, like fat soluble vitamins you can kind of synthesize and recreate them from a vegan form, but it is a very low uh, bioavailability for those things. You have to like 10 X dose or else you're not going to get anywhere near what you need.
0: Yeah. I, we've talked about too, like you've even done uh, like a strict carnivore. Yeah. You know, for yeah. a time frame too. And yeah, when you, especially like you cut out a lot of like the processed stuff and like, even just going with like a low carb, like high fat, high protein, like basically yeah. more less meat, eggs, you know, That type of stuff, you feel really good.
1: Yeah. I will say I think strict carnivore is only truly needed for people that have like autoimmune diseases. I think if ninety five percent of the for ninety five percent of the world they just ate real food, like things that are actually food, eat as much as you want. Yeah, you know how hard it is to overeat real food. Like, try and eat twenty bananas. You're gonna, it's not gonna happen. Right. right. You know? Yeah.
0: And we've talked about it. We're both in ingredients like eating foods in the simplest form.
1: Yeah. Like actual food. Yeah.
0: Like not <laughs> no. getting like like the processed juices and whatnot. Like actually eat an orange or yeah, sure. Or, or an apple or something like that. Like
1: because once you take um especially with like uh, fruits and sm- like once you take the bran and the um coenzymes and everything and you separate it from the glucose it's it's not really the same thing anymore right you know even like if you leave the whole fruit in the smoothie breaking those uh, cell walls and separating it it changes how your body digests things but um on a different note here um when did you start hunting like have you hunted your whole life or no
0: yeah i started out really young um You know, I grew up, my dad, he hunted, so I would go out with him when he'd hunted. He was a trapper. Um, I started out fishing when I was quite young. I mean, there's pictures of me like two, three years old, out ice fishing, you know, fishing off the dock and stuff like that. I mean, (laughs) I got into bass fishing as a kid. I actually, you know, was even considering becoming a professional bass fisherman at one time. I knew one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was our neighbor growing up. Uh, This guy, I would label him the most interesting man I've probably ever met in my life. His name was Jim Bates maybe you 'll hear this. Uh, he was a professional basketball player. He was also a professional gambler. He was also a professional fisherman <laughs> and you would not believe this guy for any one of those until he brought up the receipts. One time he took me to his basement he had twenty seven coolers, all full of tackle because they on like the professional fishing tours you you know through promotions and your sponsorships you can get as much tackle as you want yeah. brand new lures everything i mean um, yeah, I think being a professional uh, fisherman would be cool. It's not necessarily my thing. I've had some fun fishing, but I like, I'd go with you. But I'm not going to go by myself. Probably not.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the professional side, especially like bass fishing, which is such a big industry. Like I listen to some guys that are talking about, it and that like a lot of people just like the just that grind, like that burns out more fishermen that think they're going to be professional fishermen, than. Than what you would think.
1: I'd have to imagine with those niche sports and games, and it's got to be like similar idea to like poker. Like you can do it, but you have to put in the time, and eventually you might get your break. But it's gonna be grind and sixteen hour days. Because um, right now, off the top of my head, could I name a current professional fisherman? Nope, I couldn't tell you one. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean that they're not making money, but I have to imagine their uh, tournament placings are a little less than the PGA. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah. And again, too, like, I think the other aspect is, too, is like, even, even though I kind of found myself in a little bit, like, doing, like, creating content about honey and whatnot, like, you, you feel a little bit of pressure with it. And so it's like, I'm taking something that I love and now I'm, like, making it work. And so it kind of changes that dynamic a little bit. So it, like, I could see, like, especially on the professional side, like, like, you're taking, like, what you love and now it's turned into, like, a stressful, like, business. That you that's to fair
1: with. that's why uh for certain like endeavors and uh passions of mine i've never accepted money for them or i've taken the money that i've gotten and donated it uh just getting money involved definitely makes things real squirrely mm-hmm. um but with fishing uh have you ever done any netting like uh, smelt netting or anything like that i haven't no is that still allowed or do you have to have a special license
0: i'm pretty sure it's still allowed um,
1: I love smelt.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't really do that style of fishing. So I'm, I imagine that there's still it's still you know regulated where you can't still do that. Um, yeah, I've just never been. I was never really interested in that side of it. Okay. Like,
1: so what was your first hunt ever, or what's the first time fishing you remember ever? Because that's probably your f- before the hunt.
0: Um, one of the first ones I like I can actually like vividly remember is like my dad took me out to one of my favorite lakes. I still, I even like taking the kids out to the same lake. He gave me like a a little redhead, like little surface bait, like popper, which I actually still have. But uh, yeah, I took it out there and yeah, we just went around this lake walking like along the the shore because we didn't have a boat or anything at the time. And I was just catching bass. And then that's when I got hooked on the bass fishing. Okay. Uh, For hunting wise, I mean, I started out... I don't know if I really started doing much archery hunting right off the get-go I think I had a I think I started out with my rifle first you know it was one of the very first years that they started the youth hunt um, in September oh yeah yeah so I was right in that that wheelhouse age group where I was like one of the, I was able to do it like one of the first years okay um, I don't remember it was exactly the first year that they offered it but it was towards the beginning
1: okay and
0: uh, Were yeah you successful w- yeah actually um, that first year. I think, yeah, we went out and it was, I think the first morning even, we hunted at our neighbor's property and, I mean, it was like one of those, just kind of like a fluke thing where we were watching like over this uh, hayfield. Yeah. Some deer showed up next to us and we had to like shimmy around (laughs) to try to get a shot at it. Uh, I don't know, I probably wouldn't do it now, but the only thing we had was like a neck and up available.
1: Okay. I took a neck shot. Missed it the well, first Well, the youth hunt, you were kind of allowed to take whatever you wanted for the most part.
0: Yeah, and actually, um, back then, there was the, even the um, the antler point restrictions, at least yeah, for, yeah, yeah. at least for the county we lived in. Um, so, it was, I mean, anything with antlers was legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, ended up, missed it the first shot, and because it's so early in the season, and it was a younger buck, it looked back behind itself like, what the heck was that? Because I hit a tree behind it, got a follow-up shot, and then, uh, I mean... Yeah, that was the first spot. I remember we, we drove around for, like, the whole rest of the day going to all my dad's buddies, like, showing off this deer, and it's, like, 80 degrees in September, and I'm just, like, we need to get this deer, like, don't we have to get Look, this thing taken care smell. of? And, yeah, just riding around in the back of the oh. truck, just, like, going from one house to the other, showing off this deer.
1: That's pretty great, man.
0: But, but yeah, and then after that, I mean, hunted off and on, did a little bit of bow hunting back then, wasn't successful at all.
1: And I've then, never done any actual bow hun- I've done crossbow hunting. I don't know if people count that or not, but I kinda don't. I
0: would because again, you're like you're you the big thing about crossbows is that you take out a lot of human air. Like you still you still have to be able to get within a certain distance because, you know, crossbows, yeah, they can fire out to like a hundred yards, but even that, you still want to be like forty yards or in.
1: What's up with some of those minis? Those like twenty five hundred dollar ones that like they're only about what, uh twenty four inches and they fire like for 150 what is going on with those um
0: honestly for the size wise i think they're just trying to make them lighter easier to handle yeah um kind of freaky yeah i mean there's a lot of power in those things that's yeah that's the the scary part is i mean there's there's some crossbows out there now that are pushing almost 500 feet per second if not more um so, yeah, there's a lot of power in them. That's why, like, more more often than not, like, you're replacing strings on these and limbs on these crossbows more often than you are for a compound because, I mean, there's that's a lot of energy going Lots through. of tension. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, for that, I mean, yeah, you just take out some of the human element because you don't have as many moving parts um, yeah. in regards to human air with a, with a crossbow in comparison to a, a compound. Or even recurve is even more... Yeah, know, there's even more potential for human error, oh, as you know, because you you uh, dabble in shooting.
1: Yeah, I have a 1953 bear recurve bow. Um, I have an uncle. I love him, but he's like always telling stories, and it's weird because you start to think they're all stories until like one out of every ten is true. It's great, it's <laughs> and. Uh, he's like, yeah, I got a, I got a bear recurve bow. I'm like, sure you do. It's so a 1953. It's in mint condition. I'm like, whatever. He's like, I'll give it to you as a gift. I'm like, okay. So I've always been like a big, uh, Ted Nugent and Fred bear fan. And yeah, turns out it's like, um, it is. It, it's the real deal. It has even the, what's the, uh, part that connects to the bow. Uh, my bow terminology is horrible. So, uh, where you put the arrows on the little arms that go on it.
0: Oh, for like a little, to add like a quiver to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then um, got it uh, restrung and everything, and um, it's so weird. So I grew up shooting competition rifle uh, and being part of a gun club, and I, I got into hunting because my grandfather he was a gunsmith and he was who took me hunting. Um, but with the bow, it's the difficulty is so weird, especially with the the, the recurve, because one, um, I didn't know what I was doing, and I caught the inside of my arm a couple times and oh, that yeah. was bad those were, never thought my arm would turn colors like that <laughs> and then um the range is even even worse you know starting off i was like oh i'll start from 25 yards you know <laughs> that short no you have to start from like 10 yep. 10 and then work your way back like yep. a yard per week or whatever yeah no i i haven't shot in
0: you know a longbow since, you know, as a kid, we had recurves at the time. but
1: What's the since, difference between a longbow and a recurve? Just kind of the styling.
0: Because um, I
1: know there is a difference.
0: Yeah, it's kind of just kind of, the, to my understanding, it's just the design of the, the arms or the limbs. Okay. A you know, recurve is going to have that more of like a bend backwards. I do think you get a little bit more energy out of that. Okay. Um, The longbow is, just, uh, again, just even more so like a more traditional...
1: The cool thing about the bow is um, how much it, it uh, coincides with human history as a whole. You know, the, that, like, it was not that long ago that that recurve that I have was the premier weapon in the human race. You know, if you're looking at human as a whole, um, we've only had relatively good guns for an hour if you put all the timeline together. Um uh, and it's just like man how did you you see some of the things um some of the big game people have bagged with bows i have no idea how that's possible i don't i don't get it i kind of get it but i really don't
0: yeah it's amazing i mean some people especially like with the traditional bows or you know stick you know a traditional like stick bow you know there was i went to an archery shoot a couple years ago and they had like a an elk target out at 100 yards and like you got a prize if you hit it and uh Like, I mean, even with most people, even with their compounds, with their high, you know, high speed bows, couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. Yeah. Like, I I kept getting close. But, like, even with my setup, like, I'm not set up to be able to shoot that far. Well, that's so much
1: drop. Yeah. The angle has to be ridiculous at that point.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was aiming probably, like, in the tree line behind the target. I was halfway up the trees. Yeah. And I was still shooting low.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: but there was a guy he he got it with his with his recurve, yeah, yeah, I don't know how many shots he took, but like they're talking about like, oh yeah, this we had a guy hit it with his recurves
1: like from a hundred yards from a hundred yards out. that's ridiculous, man,
0: yeah, and that's just familiarity with his with his setup with his bow
1: oh, some guys, and that's uh i've I've learned the secret to anything, and I mean anything. I was like, oh, you can get some tips and stuff to get good with my recurve. What's really going to help me is putting 20,000 shots through it. Yep. That's what's honestly going to help. The tips and tricks, yeah, they're going to be helpful. Technique's going to be helpful. At the end of the day, you get the reps in.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, that was the biggest thing, too. Like, that was one thing that I did, you know, even as shooting compound. Like, you know, you kind of go into you think you're pretty good. But then, like, yeah, you just – the more arrows you put through – you just get that more and more consistency down. Like, you know, when you first start shooting, you know, you'll have like a flyer here and there, or your groups will be a certain size. And then, you know, as you continue to shoot, I guess it just shrinks down and more and more. You get less like random, you know, flyer arrows. Yeah. And then even like, that's why like even every year, I re- reset and do like my whole training regimen over for that next year. Because even, you know, during the, the off season when I'm not shooting my bow nearly as much, I I notice that my accuracy goes way down, and yeah. I have to redial everything back in again.
1: And for something of that nature, it's um. It's kind of like uh, what would be a good, kind of like pool or whatever. It's you can get in your own head.
0: Oh, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like that. It's any sport that like it's a slower sport like
1: precision and accuracy?
0: Yeah, like any type of shooting sport. Golf. Like golf, exactly. That golf is another good one. We're like, yeah, the moment you start getting frustrated, the moment you start overthinking things, that's when things can go awry. You have
1: to figure out how to care and not care at the same time. Yeah. It's a very bizarre uh, idea because it's like you want to win. You want to make the shot, but also wanting it too much. It's, and that's another thing with life. It's, it's really odd. You know, You can do everything right and still come up short by being too tense. Uh, Like of the shots I made with my bow that were pretty nice, honestly, I just kind of cleared my mind, um, and just realized it's just a target, and let's make it happen. The time I was really, really trying, all garbage. Let
0: me ask you that too. Like, so on those shots that, like, where you just made like an absolute perfect shot, like, did you did you know that you made a perfect shot even before the arrow landed?
1: Or or Uh, or no, I so. This is kind of something weird for me. Um, I've been to a bunch of codes in my life, which is kind of where people are dying and they need help. And um, for my my deer that I've gotten, I, I'm and I'm not able to artificially manufacture it that often, but I get into a certain pot, spot where um, I have an internal monologue that is pestering me 24-7. And once in a while... I can turn that off and with the shots and everything, it's just nothing. It's gone. Like I see, I am aware, I hear, but it's like one of the few times my internal monologue's gone. Just like um for like emergency situations, um those shots on the deer that I got with rifle, um for the like 10 seconds leading up to it, there's just nothing. I see what I see, I know what I have to do, and I do it. Yeah. Um the when the internal monologue's running can i get a good shot sure could i get a perfect shot maybe but the probability is so much lower if i just um get in my own head but you can't it's so weird because i've tried doing the not thinking about it at all that doesn't work you have to like think about it pick a time frame where it's like five seconds before and after or ten seconds before and after where you just go into that kind of uh flow state and then you just let it rip and then see like recalibrate. Like, was that helpful? Did that setup work? Um and get, it's cool to get in your own head when you're done. But getting in your own head during is not helpful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've dealt with that. Um not so much on the rifle side, but on the archery side, especially. Like especially if like if it takes a while for the deer to get within range, like I see it from a distance, it's coming in slowly like I get all sorts of shook up like I start shaking like I'm like I can feel my heart rate going and like it's not until I get to like full draw do I calm down like as soon as I get to full draw then yeah they, same idea same my, you set. know it yep.
1: cuz so, it's um it's you just got to let go at some point yep. like you are gonna let the shot go it's gonna be what it's gonna be
0: yep yeah
1: whether you like it or not
0: and that's exactly it like the entire time up until i get the full draw i'm thinking of everything that can go wrong like the deer can do this they can do this they can see me they can smell me like they're gonna see me move but as soon as i get the full draw as long as the deer hasn't taken off
1: at that point do you bay before you shot because i've watched like a lot of bow hunting uh compilations and it seems like almost every guy does that thing
0: um it all depends uh, like if they're like, if it's moving, like the one I missed this year, I, I did, um, uh, because I, I was trying to get him to stop. Um, so basically he was coming through, like, again, I don't know why this deer did this. Like my dad saw him, like his, he was hitting out closer to the, to the big field. This deer like nonchalantly walked across the field, looking around, he'd stop, put his head down, eat. As soon as he get to the, got to the woods where I was, he started like trotting, for no, I, for no reason that I know of. Like, he, he hit the wood line and then proceeded to start jogging. Like, even though he walked calmly across a wide open field in broad daylight, he hit the timber and proceeded to think he had to hurry through. <clears throat> so I basically, you know, had to... By the time I saw him, I grabbed my bow, spun around, and by the time I did that, he had already, like, passed where I could get a shot at him, like, basically getting towards the other side of the tree. So I spun around the other side, and at that point... You know, he was almost getting to where he would have been out of range. So I did that, meh, stopped him, and I guesstimated what the range was, you know, kind of having ranged the area before. Well, shot right over his back because he was five yards closer than what I thought.
1: Oh, great.
0: So basically, yeah, I, you know, I had my pin where I'm like, all right, my 30-yard pin, I'm going to put it right on, right over his back. It's going to drop right in, you know, thinking that he was 35 yards. Well, he was at 30. And the arrow went right over his back, right at that thirty-yard mark.
1: That sounds like my first time hunting ever. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, um, I literally, it was, it was the worst. I just fresh coming off shooting competition, everything like that. Like I can shoot the, the tip off a Q-tip with peep sights from fifty yards. Been doing it over and over. Uh, I was going to hunt. It was an old gravel quarry. It was with my grandpa, Steve Duver, Duber, my dad. And my blind air quotes was a lawn chair, one of the white ones with the back of the legs cut off, stuck into the side of a hill, face down like 30 yards down a pretty steep hill. Well, I'd been out there a bunch of times, but I had not went out there in the dark. Mm-hmm. So I, it's about 5 a.m. if not earlier. We're going out there. You know, I was told to be in there hour before sun. Real old school stuff. Hour before sunrise. Everything. Yeah. I'm trying to find it on the side of this hill. I can't find it to save my life. I trip and fall and roll over. And then, like, I'm already worked up. I'm on the verge of tears. I think it's, what, 14 for rifle, like I'm a kid, or 16, or whatever. And uh, I finally find it. I sit down. Sunlight comes on. I see an eight-point right in the clearing where I'm supposed to shoot, and I'm just all sorts of excited and this is going to be great. You know, this is what we waited for. And I, like I said, I'm as, I'm pro- I was a better shooter than, than I am now. Like I, I've regressed over time. Back then was probably my prime and I line it up, do the like half breath and squeeze and everything. Deer just looks at me and I'm like, what's okay. I take another shot. Deer just looks around and bolts off. And I'm like, okay mate cuz i i was like oh you know i've heard of people having to track him maybe they're just in him and he's going to need to be tracked but the way he ran i was like ah oh, you know let's not discount the possibility of missing uh a little later um a seven point comes out once again get a really nice perfect shot he was broadside he was like chest to me i shoot and he just kind of um put his head down to eat a little bit and like he A lot of deer, they do not bolt when you shoot. It's really weird. I've had that a few times where deer, they might do a little, like, if you get scared and freeze up, but then just kind of go about their normal life, miss that one, then I was like, I guess I missed that one, come back later, uh, like, same day, and the most beautiful symmetrical 10-point I've ever seen in my life comes out, and it stands to the side to me maybe maybe a 60 yard shot maybe and i'm money from probably 200 300 and first shot he doesn't even move or make a sound or anything i'm like what is going on i get a second shot he just pulled his head up and he's like what are you doing dude i'm trying to eat over here (laughs) and then i take a third shot and at this point i'm on the verge of tears because i'm like I didn't think I was this bad, but apparently... And, like, he, like, uh, just up and runs away. Clearly, now that I know what I know, um, clearly unshot. I literally took the next day off of school to go, air quotes, track these deer. Well, what had happened when I had walked out to my uh, <laughs> my deer blind is I had bumped the scope when I fell. And I was shooting, like, 18 to 20 inches high. Oh, it was a really yeah. major... And... um Oh, my God. I hadn't even thought about that. It was something that just didn't compute in my head, which, you know, um, it was horrible. I was a kid, and that's a mistake I'll never make again. Uh, And then the next year, I get out there. It's one of the opening days. Um, I get my buck, one shot, one kill. It literally dies in place. Like, perfect shot. And it's like, it was redemption. It felt so good to go from, like, missing. Because I have a really I was always told one shot, one kill I have a kind of a little bit of an aversion to unless necessary put a second round through right and um yeah dude, that first experience though it was so humbling uh it was it was so heartbreaking though, but to come back and have that redemption the next year, it almost made it better so it's it's part of life right,
0: yep, yeah, and especially in the hunting world too like that's that's part of hunting like you know i've had. Success with you know deer hunting, both rifle and bow. And, yeah, you'll get those times where, like, you're you're going to screw it up. Things are going to go wrong. And it's, like, it tears you up.
1: Yeah. Uh, I've had fun small game hunting. I like small. That's actually my greatest hunting highlight ever. Uh, the uh, two birds one shot was great. Killed two pheasant with one shot. Nice. That was fun. Um, what else have I? uh <laughs> We went squirrel hunting together. That was pretty great. Yeah, that was that was nothing. That was
0: more or less just a walk in the woods. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. That was. Which, I'll tell you, anybody listening to this, something I've learned is, and I think some people get frustrated with me. I think the prize is getting to hunt. Some people are so tied to the outcomes that it stresses me out. (laughs) <laughs> like you're that. Well, I'm happy to be able to be out here. I'm grateful, you know. Um, and I guess some people say you could say that because you got a deer last season. Like, yeah, I guess, but it wasn't like anything special. But I, it was cool to get it. Like, it was the first time I ever got a deer on my property, which is really interesting. Um, and that was, it was like the deer wanted me to take it. It it was asking <laughs> me, because. It just like came up and looked at me, and I'm like, oh, it's not the greatest shot. And I'm, uh, for every deer after that first year of hunting, it's been one shot, one kill. They literally die in place. Like, I'm anal retentive about taking the perfect shot. I will, uh, forego a good shot if I can't get a perfect shot just because I'm as big on the efficient harvest as possible that's why i have not went hunting with my recurve i refuse to go out at any type of position where i'm not absolutely um dialed in to where i know i can take something right and it was like uh two does three other does a couple small deer they came out um one was clearly quite a bit older and bigger than the other so walks around go and i think it was like a 40 yard shot And uh, I took the shot, and this is my first deer in a while, so I'm, like, freaking out. The other doe stands there, is looking at me, and I'm like, oh, should I take another one? I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that. I did, once again, I felt, like, bad because there was some little deer with him there, and I'm like, (laughs) oh, why? So eventually they run off. I pop out of my blind way faster than I should have. (laughs) I make a bunch of mistakes, and then I can't find the deer for the life of me. Cause i was like oh it has to be far out in the woods this way um and i like couldn't find it couldn't find it my dad comes out and the reason i couldn't find it is i had taken such a good shot it had just jumped into the brush behind it and maybe moved like five feet i thought there was no way i and what what it was is the other doe was what had there was like three doe two one stayed, two deer the other doe had jumped and ran off and i was convinced it was my deer
0: yeah oh yeah that happens all the time like um that even a couple of years ago uh when my dad got his buck i shot a doe like i heard him shot and it's like okay cool like i'm gonna take this doe because i didn't have any other bucks in front of me or anything like that's so, like i'm just gonna take this doe i shot her and i'm like we're trying to track but we found some blood i'm like yeah i swear it went this way it went to the left like, and we spent, like, 20, 30 minutes trying to, like, figure out where this blood trail goes. And I finally back back up, realized, oh, no, she went to the right. Oh, great. So, it was, like, we're going this direction, and the whole time she went the opposite direction.
1: Like, oh, great. And,
0: like, even like that, like, me having harvest deer and, like, knowing, like, hey, you got to pay attention after the shot, I still screwed it up and was thinking that the deer went one direction.
1: That's why I couldn't find it, because I, like, let it out of my line of sight when I was, like, trying to get out of the blind in the pop-up. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, and it's so hard too, cause like, like, you, like unless you're like an absolute machine, like you're gonna get that adrenaline dump, and everything's gonna be moving a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And like you'll you'll see it, but your brain will not process it. You won't retain it. Yeah. And then you'll like like you said like, you didn't see that deer jump into that that brush and like get out of your sight that quickly, and all of a sudden like your brain's seeing oh there's more deer there's deer running that yeah. would be the deer. Yeah. So happens yeah. all the time.
1: Yeah, and it's um. Luckily, uh, I've never had to track one too far. It's I, – I don't know. Some some things don't make sense to me. Like when guys telling me they're taking shots from like 300 yards and stuff, like are you just doing that for fun or to challenge yourself? Because I – in most of the places I've ever hunted, the farthest shot I could take is maybe 100 yards.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean – there's always that. I mean, there's like that the pride part about being able to take shots that far. Like
1: I, I know I can do it. Yeah. Like I had. Um. It was. It was funny. Uh. My dad and I had just gotten home from a Christmas party. We pull into the house, and there's a doe just begging me to shoot it in the backyard. But it's about 120 yards, and the Dallas Cowboys and Jaguars are <laughs> on. I didn't feel like not watching the game, and. Uh, I brought the ladder out, and, like, I could get a good shot on it. Uh, like, a really good shot, but it wasn't the perfect shot. And just knowing that I don't really want to deal with it right now. Like, looking back, I regretted I should have taken it. But I was like, I don't mind letting her get a year older. Next year, she's going to be an even better doe. She is pretty big. But, uh yeah, I think a lot of things just kind of, when people say they thought, well, I saw some stuffed in it so i thought so i shot like no <laughs> no
0: yeah that's always shocking that like yeah the like i don't know though like i could understand like like how someone could like they like hear something or see something and like their mind tells them like they're seeing a deer but they're really not like they get yeah. that worked up that quickly they, they their buck fever yeah. whatever you want to call it like they start hallucinating that they're seeing a deer
1: it's crazy it's i would say a lot of people are shoot first identify later right. i am extremely probably on the other end of identify first shoot later like i've probably cost myself a fair amount of deer just because once again i like the efficiency of you know how fast can we get this done as opposed to oh, i'll take a pop at it and we'll we'll figure it out later because that's how you accidentally you know shoot like things that are you're not allowed to shoot and th- like you yeah. know what was it a few years ago? There was a a brother and an uncle or brothers or something, and one shot the other one. It was like a super sad story because he was wearing brown, and they're like, "Oh, I thought it was a deer." Like,
0: yeah, I do kind of remember hearing that story, where yeah he, he like it was it like his brother or brother in law or something. Something. Like
1: that. Yeah. 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 Maybe there's some fish. Maybe there's some fishy stuff in that story.
0: <laughs> Maybe. But I've
1: heard people like in bars and stuff talk about, you know, I thought I saw some brown in the bush. Like, how do you know? No, that's a dog. Yeah. Well, there's.
0: I mean, it was a few years ago, or probably even more a few years ago. I think it was a lady, shot a an elk thinking it was a deer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's an ongoing, but <laughs> kind
1: of. <laughs> she got.
0: I think. I'm pretty sure it was a lady. I couldn't be mistaken that All sorts of trouble. All sorts of trouble, yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't play around with the DNR. Um, uh, Actually, for my first buck I ever got, I was kind of freaked out because the property uh, was lined up right next to a gentleman who used to be third in charge of the DNR, way up there. (laughs) And I was so excited that I got my buck. I was like freaking out. And he came over and I was like, oh, you know, I was like, he was retired. But I'm like, oh no, did I do something wrong? Did I not tag it right? Did I x y or z and he was just excited to see a young person excited about hunting yeah but uh that i'm not saying the dnr are bad i'm not trying to say but you know you just mind your p's and q's because they have more power here in michigan than the state police do
0: yeah and that's the issue too like like i remember we've had some interactions with dnr and like even like even if you're not doing anything wrong like you get put on edge because like it's amazing how many things you could be doing wrong and you don't realize you're doing things oh, yeah. wrong. Oh yeah. So like the moment they're like, they're around you're like, Oh crap. I'm, like, what am I doing? Like, it's everything like,
1: you- and if they want to ding you, they can, I've seen, uh, for like when uh, we used to go out to boardman for, uh, salmon fishing and people follow hook salmon. It happens in accident. And you have to take the hook out like while in water. If you pull like any part of the fish out, you can get dinged with a pretty large fine um for foul hooking or uh snagging you know i saw a few people get tickets that were pretty ticky-tacky and it's not small from what i understand it's it's expensive so yeah i don't know i think everybody hunts for different reasons i'm probably uh 90% cuz i like want the meat or it's broken down but like You know, to preserve the memory of my grandpa is a huge part of that because he taught me uh, everything I know about hunting for the most part um, and shooting. And then um, for sport, I think a lot of people lie when they say they don't hunt for sport at all because if you see a 12-point out there, perfectly symmetrical rack, and you see an 8-point who is maybe 10 pounds heavier which one are you gonna shoot? They're yeah. gonna shoot the twelve point every time. Yeah, and, don't lie to and,
0: me. And and the eight points, you know, like a hundred yards closer.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like
0: chip shot compared to like a harder shot. Like,
1: they're gonna shoot at the twelve point every time. Yeah. And same here. I'm not saying I wouldn't. Yeah. So I'm I'm still a little bit of a sportsman in that sense.
0: Yeah. And again, the biggest thing is be honest with it. Like, like yeah, like part the sport is part of it. Like that's why I archery hunt. Yeah. Like for one, it's. A different way of hunting i actually like it i think it's more well fun. you make
1: sure you're actually good i know people who pop out that like couldn't hit the broadside of a barn and that's why initially i thought it was awful that they allowed everybody to use crossbows but now i'm like that's great because i just want the lowering of wounded deer as opposed to harvested deer
0: yeah i mean there's a big discussion with that that if crossbows actually do prevent more wounded deer i mean probably to an extent but then the problem is people got that false sense of like just pull the crossbow never shooting it and then go hunting with it yeah just from like
1: 150 yards and yeah yeah
0: Yeah. but (laughs) but i mean i don't know again the the big thing is like like understanding like that there's multiple multiple layers to why an individual individual might hunt like again archery like i find it more fun i like the fact i get a whole another month of hunting. So it gives me more opportunity yeah uh like yeah i mean and then of course like i love the, you know going after deer because i find it fantastic like we talked about it like i actually prefer venison steaks over like beef steaks now like i just oh have, venison gr- things are awesome i've grown accustomed to the flavor and you know anything outside of that tastes tastes different to me
1: yeah yeah i think um i go back and forth with so many things i do in my, I try to like be intellectually consistent. Should it just be rifle and things like, like if we're talking about like from an efficiency of harvest, you can't sit here and tell me, Oh, well, bows the same. It's not, Mm -hmm. but from the tradition. And luckily I know most people that are into archery hunting are uh, pretty well into it. And you're just not going to be able to stop bad actors no matter what. Uh, a lot of the bad actors don't even buy licenses, uh, so I'm pretty big on, yeah, if they want to hunt with bow, like, do you, like muzzleloader, and that's the one thing, like, I almost don't even want to hunt with my recur, but I feel like I have to because it was a gift from my uncle, and I just want to prove to myself that I can do it, mm-hmm. but after I get one deer with it, I'm probably going to hang that thing up forever and just potentially stick to rifle, or maybe I'll do bow. I like bow. Uh, I like the work and discipline that it takes to do it right. Uh, it is kind of scary though that some people only draw back in the blind. That's, uh, <laughs> that's that shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Because I've had friends uh, get deer that had gangrene because they got a arrow in their leg or in their neck or. Yeah.
0: Which I mean, even that, I mean.
1: Part of the game. Even yeah. good people can have that happen.
0: Yeah. Because I know there's been at least three deer that I've taken shots at that I didn't recover. Um, and then there was two that I almost thought I wasn't going to recover. So, it's...
1: It... So, what was that deer uh, from the Coatmish area? What was that one called? The, re- uh, the one that's supposed to be the world record?
0: Oh, the Rompola buck? Or Ramp- the
1: Rompola buck? buck. Have you ever talked to that guy?
0: No. No, he's pretty much... uh A hermit? Yeah, I mean... There's been plenty of people that've tried to reach out to him, and okay. to talk to him about it.
1: I kind of love it. I love lore, and I love uh, could be true or not true, like legend and myth. Yeah. Um. And I love how grown men get so upset about that. I almost even if it is not true, I think it's hilarious because guys, like I've seen grown men like that. Ain't no, there's no. I'm like, why do you care that much?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I've some people are so passionate like i know individuals that um you know knew mitch or know mitch that are strong defenders of them um like even my dad like my dad you know i'm sure he's had, a great had, guy had gone to whitetail you know b- banquets with him and stuff like that oh, nice. so he knew him personally you know probably i don't know if they're really good friends but they they were acquaintances um and they knew each other so yeah when like when when he got that buck i mean my dad was one of the you know, one of the first ones, again, that knew about it and was all pumped for him.
1: I hope it's real. I'm from northern Michigan. I, like, I've always been, and it's one of my favorite qualities about myself, I am genuinely happy at the success of others, even if it's locally, even if that's something that I want to be successful at, because I know it holds no bearing on my potentiality of success in that endeavor.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That, I mean, I want it to be true. I want it to be real, but there's a lot of evidence that points that it's not, and it's uh, it's it's hard to swallow.
1: But it's fun, I mean, I wish I'm gonna. I don't know. I would like to see that guy do some type of an interview, and who knows? Maybe he's just uh, he's just a troll. Like he knows that it, but he's just doing it to like ruffle people's feathers. Um, that wouldn't be that cool, but I think it'd be funny. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, because you're you're one that actually enjoys poking the bear and yeah, because like
1: is it um. I think one of the best things I've ever learned in my life, and I i think i use it as a natural defense mechanism because I'm a worrier and, like, I care too much. But for any of your problems, somebody told me, have you tried caring less? And every time I've done that, it does make it better because uh, worrying has never helped a situation. Right. Worrying has never made a situation better. You know, worrying about getting a deer. Like, when I went out for my hunt, I had been on a deer drought forever. And I'm just like, I'm happy to be out here. It's cold, whatever. And, like, I wasn't thinking I was going to see a doe or anything and or a baby deer or whatever. And, yeah, it just came out. Uh, you can up your likelihood of success in hunting. But in, at the end of the day, part of what makes it fun is the chips are going to fall where they may. Yep.
0: Yeah, that's one thing, especially the more I've hunted, or, you know, as I've grown, you know, understanding of hunting and hunted more, like even if you do everything 100% correct like it's still up to the deer yeah. what they're going to do yeah so like yeah you can be in the perfect spot have everything perfect and have and like i've had nights where like you know if you look at like the weather forecast and like all the like the documentation like their deer should be moving they should be feeding yeah and like i've sat in front of my, like my perfectly Well manicured food plot.
1: Put all the time and effort in. And
0: had not a single deer show up. Oh, yeah. It's like there's no reason why they shouldn't be here.
1: Yeah, it's just like life. (laughs) That's what I love about hunting. It's what I love about hunting. It's what I love about boxing. Like there's certain things that mirror life. And with hunting, it kind of shows you the unfortunate truth. Like we just said, in life you can do everything right and still have things blow up in your face. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't continue to try to do the right thing. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. You take whatever knowledge you gained from that situation, try to apply it again. Yeah. See if it and see if you change,
1: recalibrate, and just keep pushing. And it's tough because yeah, I know um, people that have went on droughts forever. Something I always like to talk about is I actually shot a buck before my dad ever did. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, but. He just kept hunting and kept going for it, and he's been real successful over the last year. More successful than me, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, it seems like I don't know. Like, do you think that he's like, like uh, taking a higher priority to hunt more, or yeah. do you think he's just because he think maybe? That he's I think when I time.
1: got into it and my grandpa got into it, I think both of us a huge part of it uh, is just. You know, like because of my grandpa, like getting into it from there, it was fun. He was a, he was a, he was a funny guy. It was great. I remember one of my favorite hunting memories is we're sitting out there. My grandpa's in a blind, probably 40 yards down from me. I'm in a different blind. Um, and I look back and he was a smoker and I saw like just tufts of smoke coming <laughs> out of the top of his chimney of his blind Us and they're laughing so hard. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. You could tell at that point we had been out there for like a few hours and he's just like, yeah, they're not going to show up anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That, Cause that's something like, yeah, same thing. Like I went on a 13 year dry spell with no deer as well. And I went through the process of like, you know, I hunted, but I wasn't all that serious about it. I'd go out for like opening day, maybe a couple other days outside of that. And that was about it.
1: I think that's the majority of people.
0: I think so too. Um, Cause yeah, I know I've definitely gone on a deep end where I'm, a fanatic about it like i think about hunting every day of the year and that's just where i'm at now like i for a while it would be like you know three months out of the uh, year i it wouldn't think like about it
1: sport or practicality that it leans towards um because i would say it's it's uh Typically advantageous to have a freezer full of venison. Actually, that summer sausage you made, I wasn't just saying that. It was the best summer sausage i ever had. It's really good.
0: I appreciate it, man. Yeah. yeah. I talked to Kim about that. I'm like, hey, Jonathan said it the best he's ever had. But he also said that breakfast sausage I made was pretty darn fantastic, too. And I know that breakfast sausage was subpar.
1: <laughs> it was dry, but I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, that – it was – Um, but I just put a bunch of butter in it, man. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah you said good. that that's what you do. You mm-hmm. doctored up. But yeah, I don't know. For me – i think it's i think it's both like especially like for most of the year i'm worried about the sports side but i also know like i want to improve my odds so i put forth a lot of work to be able to accomplish a you know harvest some deer now especially like the fact that they've opened up the dough seasons and the doe tags like i harvested three does this year and like i got full freezer because of
1: it heck yeah and, man and, like i'm um, gonna have to steal some of that canned venison off yeah 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 I'll have to
0: make more because, i mean we've already eaten half of what i made or I could just
1: give you some of my venison pay you to make it that'd be cool well, do you knowing. use uh ground or do you use uh tenderloin or steak i or... used
0: uh i used uh, sirloin okay I took the sirloin okay. and then some i don't remember which one it was if it was the bottom round or top round um because i didn't ha i didn't think i had enough so i i cubed up some of the the round um, yeah. as well but uh i mean it's one of those things. Like I was always so intimidated by the process, but now that I've done it, it's like it's one of the easiest things you can do. With like, it's I don't know. It hindsight is probably easier than freezing it because you don't have to worry about like unthawing it. To can it? Yeah. Okay. Like, like once it's canned, like it's it's technically already.
1: Cooked. I'm not gonna lie. I grew up pretty country. I've been around some real redneck, hillbilly, tough. And I'm not saying it's redneck or hillbilly. I've seen almost anything you could do to a deer. I don't think I've ever seen canned venison in my life. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing, man. I'm being honest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I knew it was a thing, but it was like, it was one of those things, like, I was more worried I was going to screw it up and, like, poison the whole family, like,
1: <laughs> like, them, like, rotten
0: meat or something that didn't seal so properly. So what's
1: in everything that's in that jar? Venison, salt? Uh,
0: and a, a little bit of pepper I put in with it.
1: That's it? That's it. No sugar? No nothing? Nothing else. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome.
0: Yep. Yeah, put it put it in my pressure canner again you know because of it being meat and the low ph that it is you got to make sure you it cooks to the right atmosphere essentially because um, otherwise you could you know there's some bacteria or whatever that could be in it No, oh, yeah it makes sense uh but yeah i mean
1: you're ingesting it so let's be let's be smart here
0: yeah but uh yeah i mean it was like 75 minutes at uh 11 atmosphere or whatever and then that was it it was done nice man but yeah i mean fantastic i mean it it was so good that even Kira now, she's like, I am gonna go deer hunting now.
1: Oh, y'all should y'all should give it a try. Um it smelled great. I haven't tried it quite yet. Yeah. So is there anything else you need to go over, we need to talk about?
0: I don't think so, man. I mean, we we honestly didn't really get into some of the stuff that I was actually thought. You
1: can we... always do another episode.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love the fact though that we went on so many tangents and went on so many avenues. You know.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of things sewed into themselves as well. I um I'm it's, it's one of those things, like, a lot of the tangents I go on, I neglect to tell you. It actually does have something to do with what we're talking about, but it's going to take a circle for you to be like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, perseverance. Oh, yeah, okay, cool, preparation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. like
0: Yeah, I know. I'm the same way, too. like I think about, like, there's so many instances where, like, I think of, like, an instance in, like, the military or a lesson I learned in the military and is like, it applies to, like, business or – you know, with work now or just everyday life, it's like all those different like experiences like loop back into each other, and you know whatever your day to day experience or event or whatever you're dealing with. So yeah, but yeah, man, no, this was awesome. Uh, it was great being able to talk hunting with you, and I mean, we, we talk about all sorts of different stuff besides yeah, yeah. hunting and different political worlds and health food and everything like that yeah uh but yeah let's uh let's wrap this up because i'm sure the game started by now so
1: uh actually we have eight minutes we're running perfect here oh okay because yeah yeah me and your dad already talked
0: about what we think the outcome of the game is going to be all right that is a wrap on the conversation with jonathan like i said hopefully we're able to keep up with the conversation i mean we jump from topic to topic to topic to topic to topic so I mean, it was great talking to him with him. We have those types of conversations all the time where we'll get on, you know, go down a rabbit hole of different topics, whether it's hunting, whether it's nutrition, whether it's politics, which is awesome. Yeah, he is great to talk to. You know, I'm kind of kicking myself for not having him on the show sooner. You know, basically, as you know, we just kind of flow from one topic to the other, uh, which is awesome. So, so again, thank you for Jonathan for coming on to the episode. Coming on to the show, you know, certainly he brought up a lot of great points, and ha- even had some good questions for me even going through through the episode. So, so with that, I mean, you know, we finally got some some good weather. I've been out ice fishing. You know, it's, things were kind of slow, kind of getting into to the groove again. uh We've caught a few small fish, but that was about it. We tried a new lake, didn't do so well. Basically, the target fish that we were going after really wasn't in the lake that we thought was. So again. The big thing is going to be going, you know, making it through these winter months, hitting the hard water. So hopefully I'm able to bring you some episodes about you know going ice fishing and whatnot, because it's a great, you know, pastime during the winter months. And then also really still thinking about hunting and you know, again, start to gear up and start that thought process for the upcoming season. So that's coming up as well. So with that, you know, that's it for this episode. Again, as always. Get out there, be safe and have fun.